I just realized this episode is getting released on Pentecost Sunday. And you know what? How fitting. This conversation with Josh starts off with great insight on education and the importance of picking up relevant skills that will pay off throughout the rest of your life. Listen, if you want to add value to the world and serve, make sure you're picking up skills that people actually need and not just gathering knowledge. Halfway through the conversation, it goes away we didn't plan. Josh tells us about an encounter he had with Holy Spirit that changed his viewpoint on business and life forever. What's great is he gives us practical tips to foster a better relationship with Holy Spirit as well. Ready to get started? Let's go. Hey, welcome to Chasing the Kingdom, where our goal is to provide hope and wisdom for spirit-led entrepreneurs. I'm John Balawit, and I believe God wants to use entrepreneurs to make the world better. Romans 8.19 says that the world is decaying and groaning for the revealing of God's sons and daughters. And that means the world needs you. And there are problems that can't be solved until you step into your God-given identity. If you want to stir up those gifts, then you're in the right place. Let's get hyped up for today's show. Yeah, I just got hired by Showflow. They recruited me. Well, little did I know that they were like a startup startup. They had no customers yet, as I mentioned. They were even trying to raise money at the time. And I remember the founder came to me. I had moved. I had, you know, I had moved out, moved down to Orlando to start this job. And the founder came to me. He goes, hey, man, I don't know if we're going to be able to pay you. So I'm like, oh, great. You know, I move. Um, I have this lease. You know, my, my expenses were relatively low. It was just me. You know, I didn't have kids or family or anything like that. It would probably have been much scarier at the time if I would have had all that. But it was just me. But I'm like, oh, crap. Okay. Well, and I, but I felt really strong that this is where I was supposed to be. So I just told him, dude, I'll ride it out. I knew I had a lot of time. So funny enough, the way I was able to work at Seven Gun for free for almost a year and then come to Showflow and them tell me they're not, maybe not going to be able to pay me is all that money I had made from the lawn care business. I was living on that. So that had pretty much dwindled down to like, you know, my final $8,000, $10,000 when I moved down to, to move into show flow. So I knew I had a couple months. I was like, all right, I got a couple months before I'm going to have to figure something out. So, hey, let's just do this. I'm here. I like what they're doing. This seems exciting. I feel like I'm supposed to be here. So it ended up working out. They ended up actually being able to raise funds pay me. And that started a journey of an incredible lesson. That's actually where I would say I learned how to build a software company, not just the software product, but the actual software startup itself, like the company. I, I just learned so much by watching those guys go from no customers to building a multi-million dollar business and then eventually selling it. It was, it was like a PhD. Oh, I got to step. I got, th- this is God. So like real quick, so I, I didn't go to college. I am self-taught and there's really no reason I should have been at that table or gotten these opportunities. Besides, obviously, I feel like, yes, I, I was willing to do what I needed to do, but I cannot take credit for the path and the strategic thing that God did. He gave me the opportunity to work for free, real world experience in a company. And normally people are like, oh yeah, you work for free. Yeah, but most people pay to go get a degree and go into debt to learn this skill. So yeah, I worked for free, but I didn't go into debt. I didn't lose any money. And I'll be honest, arguably probably learned more during that year than people learn in a four-year degree. Now, I'm not saying that's 
true for everybody, but just in my own personal experience, I know tons and tons of computer science developers or graduates. And yes, I came out with more real world information knowledge than they get in a four-year degree. So worked there for free, awesome. Got into this company, yes, the paying thing, but I ended up getting paid. Now, that was only my second year of like real world development experience. So I'm on my second year getting paid and they offer me equity in the company, dude. Okay, all right. I'm like, great, sweet. I would have done it without the equity. But anyways, I'm like, yeah, you're offering it. I'll take it. Um, work for this company over, I think it was a five or six year period, get a serious level education on how to build startups and businesses. They actually, the rarity that they end up going and selling the business and I make money out of it. So I not only didn't have to go to college and go into debt. Now, whoever's going to college, like everybody, it has to go their own journey. If that's what you're doing, awesome. I'll power to you. I'm not saying don't do that. But it was so God that I'm like, man, I literally got a free education and I made money on top of my salary. It, it blows my mind. I'm like that only God could pull something off like that for a non a dude that came from lawn care to in this tech company. It, it's just, it's crazy. It's, it's all, I mean, I, it blows my mind anytime I think about it. I'm, I'm a big believer in creating your own two-year degree. And yeah. it's a, it's a concept that I, I heard from Tim Ferriss, one of my favorite authors. And, you know, I, I've worked in, in higher education and I could tell you a lot of it isn't practical. Um, and I've talked to leaders that knew certain degree programs were training students for jobs that wouldn't exist in 10 years. Um, and so we, we live in a different world now. We live in a world where you kind of have to be proactive. And if there is a skill that you want, and I've done this before, uh, you know, give yourself two years and, and put yeah. together a certain amount of training and application that you could give two years to. And it's a great way to pick up a relevant skill. Without a doubt. You know, there, um, there's a something so amazing about having a skill set. There is a good chance one day I won't be writing code, you know, myself, even though I actually really enjoy it. I might always just do it as a hobby on the side, but there is a good chance that my, my career or what I'm doing on a daily basis doesn't depend on that skill set. But obtaining an actual skill set is amazing. That's one of the things I determine for my well, my daughter now, but then eventually my other kids, you know, if I have more, I want to, that they will enter adulthood with real valuable skill sets. And so, yeah, I, I definitely think that's a good way for you to contribute and learn and be part of stuff is actually bring something to the table as a skill set, a craft. So I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah. If it takes a couple of years, it's worth it. Just make sure it's, just make sure it's not a couple of years that like, well, actually, that's not true. I mean, if you become an incredible sewer or something and you're world-class at it, I'll be honest, that probably will take you really far anyways. But just develop a, a craft that hopefully is in demand or, or in an area that's in demand that you're interested in. Yeah, I mean, important part of business is an exchange of value. Yeah. And the, the most one of the most important things is that you're investing yourself so that you can bring value to the table you know, uh, favor of God is good, but 
God, again, gives that to you to enable you so that you could provide value, real value to those who are around you. Remember, we're, we're called to serve. Yeah, for sure. And there's a cost. There's a cost to getting into the door. And I'm not saying like a cost of like selling your soul, but there's a cost of your time. And if that time, the cost is to develop a skill set, something you can bring to the table. Because in addition to when I was first starting, even though I was so green, I pretty much lived and breathed in a dark room, studying this, playing with it day in and day out for a year. While I was at Seven Gun, I'd go there, I'd expose myself to, you know, the things I need to learn. And then I'd just go back and back and back. Because if I wouldn't have developed that skill set, if I wouldn't have had that opportunity, you know, and it even feels weird saying this, so Lord, forgive me if this is incorrect, but if I, even though the Lord was drawing me there and calling me into this path, this unique way that he was going to take me kind of to where I am today, I don't, I really believe that if I didn't develop a skill set, I, I, I don't think I would have ever made it there. So even though the Lord was calling me there, so it is important that we do what's necessary I agree with that. on our side. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. And it, so you were in this dark room. I've, I've done that. So I told you, like, I've, I've paid the price to develop certain skills. I and remember when you were going through that. Yeah. And each time I had to give up my social life. Was that the case yep. with you? hundred percent. Yeah. I had like almost no friends. That's, that's but the price. I price. was socializing at work. So I was saying that, but there is a cost. Yeah. When you go home, don't turn your TV on. Don't, don't just binge Netflix for 14 hours. Don't go out and everything. I'm not saying you can't do that every once in a while, but I would say when you're in the phase of building your skills, you're trying to make the transition from, I feel like everybody goes through a phase where they're kind of just figuring things out. Maybe they've taken odd jobs here or there, but when you've identified something, like you kind of got a clear picture of what you're trying to do. If you get that opportunity and that clarity, just go after it. Don't keep drifting and bouncing around. Just laser focus on that one thing because, and people get like FOMO. They want to do 14 different things. Stop it. Just you there. It's unless you are like a genius with a photographic memory, it's going to take you 20 years to get anywhere in terms of a valuable skill set that you'll offer if you're doing 20 things. Just develop a skilled craft because I usually what that one thing does is you think of it like a key. It opens the door and then you get involved and opportunities are brought to you to be involved in things that even are outside that skill set, right? So for me, it's like programming. Well, that opens up doors for consulting. Even if I'm not writing the code, there's just certain things that doors are open. You have no idea you're going to be open, but if you don't have that key, you'll never see behind the door. But that key is very narrow, very focused, very specific. Develop it. And just get through the door. Just one thing. People die and make no progress because they have too short of an attention span or won't invest the amount of time necessary to actually get to like a mastery skill level or at least a valuable level in one thing. They just suck at 20 things. And you're like, that's great. But all right, you got like 1% of information on 20 things. And maybe, you know, there are cases for generalists and stuff like that. But, you know, maybe if that's your call or your personality, I can't relate to that. So I apologize if you've done wonderful off that. But usually if somebody's a generalist, 
they're not a generalist at a lot of things. They're usually a generalist at like three, where they actually, they have thoughts on a lot of different things, but they actually have like three specific areas of expertise or one deep level expertise and then two or three kind of uh, valuable offerings as well. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, John, but that's usually how I see what I see. I, I totally agree with that. I think if you want to shine, which God has called us to, you know, like don't hide your light, shine it. I think one of the things is to focus and become an expert at something. And the times that I, I focused on a certain skill, it, there was a price to pay. And I remember giving up my social life. And in 2016, I wanted to learn how to make money online. And I wasn't sure, you know, what to choose. So I decided I'm going to try everything that I could think of, not to make money. I, and even though I made money, I really didn't, it didn't concern me how much money I made. I, I wanted to see which ones actually make money. So I spent 2016 doing different things online. I opened up an Amazon store, eBay store, blogging, you know, Facebook ads. I, I mean, anything I could think of. But that's and a different phase. You were in the exploration phase, which is important as well. You don't want to just go down the path of like becoming an expert at like canning if you absolutely hate canning. So it right. is important to try to see what you like because that, that investment is going to require some level of interest in right. order for you to spend the time. So yeah, that's, I think that was just, I wanted to clarify that to anybody listening. It's, there's an exploration phase. And then when you identify the thing like you did, then you go deep on it. That year actually enabled me to identify what I really want to do. And then I even doubled down on that and, and just became laser focused. But I, that 2016, I was laser focused on online businesses um and and i look back now and i go man well, why did i do that because I, this was i was working for a company i was working for a tech company and i did all of this as a side hustle which is why i had to give up my social life because yep. i had really no time that's the price oh yeah for sure uh, for sure man lots so of good stuff there you got um so they they sold the company when did you go into starting your own thing? So about while I was there, I always had interest in starting my own business. I was always like, I, like from the very beginning, I even had a little bit of a hesitation to work for somebody because my heart was to build something on my own. So it was always in the back of my head. But there was a point while I was there that I fully, even though my heart wanted to do something on my own, I knew that I was supposed to be here so much so that I stopped exploring and working on side projects and businesses. I always kind of was tinkering with things on the side to keep my interest. And I adopted and stewarded this business the best I knew how, as if it was my own. Even though I was an ownership, you know, I still had desire to be like a majority. I was a minority owner. I just want to clarify that. I wasn't like one of the major two. There were two guys that really grew it. And uh, I'm, I'm not going to try and steal their light. I, I, they, they were amazing at what they did. So I was a minority owner. So I always had a heart to like have a major thing for myself. But there was a period of time I felt so strongly that I was supposed to just be laser focused on this business, show flow. 
wasn't mine entirely. And so I actually kind of guarded a reputation. People that knew me, they said I was whipped for show flow. That's what they would tease me about. Oh, you're just a whipped for show flow, whipped for show flow. But something happened. Yeah, exactly. I was like, Sorry, fine, I whatever. I mean, I was like, I am, dude, man. I bleed show flow blue at this point, man. Um, so that had an important role to play uh, going forward that I didn't know. That loyalty, I believe the leaders at that company saw it to this day. I have a deep relationship and I believe mutual respect with them because I believe when they, when you have a business and you're building something, when you see somebody putting their really giving to it, it touches you in a way that's hard with just words or a high five or going to grab coffee. It's like somebody's actually putting their life into something that has an influence on your outcome financially. And it has a big, well, so anyways, I was really loyal, whipped for show flow. Just call it that. Loved it. it was honestly enjoyed, really enjoyed what I was doing. And then a time came similar. I started feeling that the season was ending. This was during my whipped for show flow days. I just started feeling something else was coming. And I knew that the season was coming to an end. And so I just started having like an open heart. And then that's when a project came through the door that actually was from my dad with this, it, it was an auto group, uh, a, a piece of software built custom for this large auto group. And that ended up being enough money just from that one project. And we didn't charge just a one-time fee. We charged a monthly subscription for it. And that was enough money to where I could have quit my job and did that as a salary. And I thought, hey, well, let's see if we can turn this into a product. Well, when I left, the guys at Showflow said, hey, is there any way we can continue to work together? And so I said, I mean, I guess we could kind of do like an agency style thing. And in that, we went ahead and actually developed a contract where they became a client of our agency and paid us really well. And in a lot of ways, helped our agency survive uh, in really hard times. Little did I know the loyalty I showed to them, their loyalty was unrelenting as a client to me. That actually helped us survive some tough times in business. So I had no idea that like dynamic that would come through, but I was loyal to them and they were incredibly, incredibly loyal to me and our business. And we're just, they were a constant, just like I knew no matter what craziness was happening, they were there and they were a source of revenue. And anyways, so I love you just that. never know what's going to come. When, you know, I remember we met downtown one time. And you, you came to visit me at VentureX. Yeah. And I remember there was something different about you. Something spiritually shifted. And you were really excited. You, you were explaining to me, John, I, I can't explain what happened, but there was a spiritual, almost like you had an encounter yeah. with God. And it changed everything. You told me it changed your whole perception of life. Um, could you go into that? Yeah. So, you know, growing up in church, uh, my identity was in my business and I, I was a relatively confident person. I'd say probably really confident. And so, you know, I was always confident in that, always pursuing that. And then I was at church, grew up my whole life and I'm sitting there in church and all of a sudden, dude, 
I start crying and almost feel like electricity is like hitting me and I'm kind of like shaking and I'm like, this was the first time I had ever, I was a first time visitor at this church. I grew up in my life, but I had never been to this church before. This was my first time here. And I'm like, what is happening? Like, keep your cool, man. Like, keep it together. What are you Still doing? Out. Yeah. I'm like, don't be like those crazies. Dude, I was like, you you like, like when you're crying, you're like, stop it. Stop crying <laughs> right now. And I'm not a crier. You can ask my wife. In seven years, she has seen me cry maybe once or twice, not even exaggerating. And, you know, I'm not like an emotional person. And so that reaction I knew was not me. Somebody in my family would like have to die for me to cry. It's like that level. And so when that started happening, I started shaking and I'm like, you know, you're, and I'm not like screaming and like rolling around or anything, but I'm like, this is more, I was really uncomfortable because at this point I was like, I can't control this. I don't know what's going on. And I knew what was going on. I, you know, it was the Holy Spirit. It was an encounter but with the Lord. He, I had gotten so comfortable, so familiar, so thought I just like understood God and had him figured out. Like I knew what he was going to do. I knew my path. And one thing I remember from that encounter, dude, I, I, it just like propelled me. I was on my knees, man, at the front of the altar crying, like, what the heck, man? And that was a moment where I really do believe in a weird way. I almost got like resaved. Um, and one thing I remember, it just was like, a, it was a thought. It wasn't like an audible voice, but he, he started talking to me. He said, I'm going to redefine everything you think you know about me. And I was like, oh man, okay. And that started probably a two-year journey. That was 2019 or 2020, I forget exactly, where I realized I had made business, vocation, my God. It was my idol. It was what I was living for. And in a weird and humbling way, this is probably the most important thing we'll talk about today, I realized in that moment of my entire life telling me I'm doing this for God, I realized that if I had stood before him, it wasn't that I was going to go to hell or anything like that, but I would have realized I was serving myself and my ambition, my idea of goals, my idea of a successful business. And he started revealing things to me. Somebody that was, I was always like, work like everything depends on you and pray like everything depends on God. And now if anybody knows me, even after this transition, I still work incredibly hard. But what changed was my heart. That's, it's hard to describe, but your heart changes. The Lord does things inside your heart. That's his target is your heart and your mind, the way you think, the way you feel, the way you see the world. And then your thought, your words, your actions, the way you interact and participate in the world changes as he changes you from the inside. And so he started doing that. And I remember like my prayers used to be like this, like, Lord, help me land this customer, help us get to, you know, a million dollars, get, you know, equip me to build this competitive. And there was a season I went through where I felt very strongly I wasn't supposed to be asking for anything. And that sounds, I know, weird biblically and all that stuff. And I'm not saying that's for everybody. It was just something specific to me where the only thing I was supposed to be pursuing was him sitting at his feet. And it wasn't about what he could do for me. It was about him. Wasn't what I was coming to him for. It was that I was coming to him for him. And he said something 
it was an audible voice, but it was, you know, you just kind of get it and you write it and you're like, that wasn't me because that is not the way my brain thought. He said something that's really powerful. And I think it's important for everybody to know whether you're in business and in career, it doesn't matter because we all want to stand before the Lord and hear that well done, good and faithful servant. You know, I think that's, or, or at least hopefully that's, if you're a Christian, that's what you strive for. And that in and of itself feels works-based. Like, oh, I serve the Lord. I did all this stuff for him, right? The Lord gives us certain insights, obviously, through his word. And he very clearly says, like in the Bible, people came to him and it's like, you know, what does God want from us? It's like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That's the number one. That is literally number one. But what we do is, we, oh, yeah, I love you, Lord. And I'm going to go do 45 other things before you. I'm going to give you six seconds and then I'm going to go do everything else for everybody else. But, and that was my mentality. And so this thing he told me wrecked me because it redefined my reality. He said, do you know if you just poured your heart out to me in worship, admiration, and praise, essentially just loving on him and admiring him, he said, I will tell you, you have lived a worthy life. Had nothing to do with a business I would build, how much work I had done. It didn't even, at that moment, it wasn't even about how many people you got saved or preached to. It was everything about me and his relationship. He values that so highly. And I had gotten my priorities out of whack. And so during that season, he redefined my priorities and my relationship and view with him. So it absolutely changed the way I think about everything. I think for that a year, every time we would talk, I would just be telling you about the presence of God. It was not really anything about business for the most part. I would just be like, man, dude, this, and I was spending time with the Lord and he was showing me this right. or telling me this. It was everything. It, it, it was an entire season where I almost felt like in the business, I was on autopilot, which sounds weird, but I was almost on autopilot. It was like, we were just, me and him were hanging out every day. And um, so that was a big season. That was a couple years. That was a couple years ago, honestly. And uh, that, I've never escaped it since. That, um, and you don't want to escape it. No, I, definitely not, man. <laughs> that was a change in our relationship because yeah. before that happened, whenever you and I would part, you would whisper under your breath, like, man, John's one of those weird Christians. After that happened, whenever we part, I'd be the one to say, man, Josh is one of those weird Christians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It was just a whole but, different reality. Dude, so like you, you are the one of the hardest working people yeah. that I know, legit. Um, but one of the things that, that really stood out to me was that you told me that you started waking up earlier and you dedicated the first two hours of the day just between you and God, which was a shock to me because I knew how hard of a worker you were. Yep. Like literally you would, you would go right into work. And so that was a sacrifice for yeah. the Josh I know. So yep. how, how did that affect things Did how did that affect your perspective? How did that affect like how you ran your business? So when the Lord says he wants the first, he's not just talking about tithes. He wants you. He wants you more than he wants your money. So that idea of firsts applies to your personal time. The one thing that costs you more than anything, that's what he wants. But I'll say this. Yes, it becomes a sacrifice. But I remember reading Psalms 
and you, you know, you hear about how David talks, you know, I think it's Psalm 63, maybe. And he talks about, Lord, I lay awake at night thinking of you. I long to be in your presence. When you, uh, the Lord's presence is not a theory. It's real. It's, it's seriously real. And I didn't experience it. I didn't know that you could actually enter the presence of the Lord in this world. Like, I, I just thought it was more of an idea than anything. Or like a state of like, yeah, the presence of God, you know, no, it's a literal thing that happens when you start putting that time. It, sometimes it doesn't happen right away. There have been times where I, uh, I have gone into my time with him and I didn't feel like if I'm being 100% transparent, I feel like I didn't get anything. I was super distracted. I was like, man, like, yeah, I spent all this time. But I'm like, I don't know. I was thinking about all these other things. And then there are times where he comes and he is literally with you in his presence in it. It's hard to describe besides when you know, you know, trust me, I promise you when the presence of the Lord shows up, you will know. And then when you start experiencing the person of Jesus, his real presence, the work that you used to think is a chore, I got to do this time with the God, you long to be there because it is so filling, so satisfying. You learn so much about yourself. He sets things right. Like, I don't know how to describe it. Things are set right. If your life feels out of whack, he kind of comes in. He just sets everything back right. He restores peace within you. He restores confidence. I've come out of my time with the Lord so motivated, dreaming bigger than I've ever dreamed, more confident. But I went in discouraged, tired. Just like, oh, okay, okay, hold on. Let me go do my time with God. And I come out and I'm like ready to go to hand-to-hand -hand combat. There's something that happens. So yes, it starts off as a chore, but I would find myself getting anxious because I didn't want to uh, sleep through my alarm because I wanted to wake up and be with the Lord. Like if I slept for whatever reason through my alarm, I got mad. I was like, dang it, I, I have to get to work. I'm not going to get as much time. I missed out. And it wasn't a fake thing. It was real. And so that happens. And if, if you don't experience that, I promise you, there is a place where your heart, like somebody you love that you miss, they're traveling and they're away and you love that person. You're just waiting to be with them again, just waiting to hang out with them again. That feeling, that, that relationship with Jesus, it exists and it's real. And so that's what happens. So yes, it started as a chore. But now when I'm busy and even days where I didn't get as much time, I kind of like figure out ways. It's like you're meeting with like, this sounds bad, but like a secret lover. I'm like, where can I sneak away into a closet to like be with the Lord? Do I have 15 minutes here where I could get away and be with him? It's a, it's a whole different mindset. It's a whole different dynamic when you actually meet him and you're not just doing things out of religious obligation. So the switch was real. And, um, you know, I, I do meetups every now and then and I, and had invited Josh to speak at uh, one of the meetups and the presence was so on you. I had people, and I, thought, I think I told you some of them, some of them were coming up to me after you left. And even after the meetup, they were texting me about what you brought was heavily, was like heavy, heavy anointed. Uh, it, it broke through for a bunch of people. Uh, because the presence, because you you kept spending time with God, there was, it wasn't your words, it wasn't your eloquence, it wasn't, it was just the deposits that God had placed in you 
there's something different. Things hit different when you hang around someone who truly is in love with God and, ha and has spent time with God. You know, when, when um, this weekend I was concentrating on or focusing and meditating on the scripture where Moses, um, it said, he goes, God, show me your glory. And God said, if I show you my glory, like he would say, I want to see your face. And, and, and God said, if I show you my face, you're going to die. I can't, yeah. it's impossible. I can't do that. Yeah. I'll tell you what though, I'll tell you where I'm going to be. And I want you to go there. It's I'm going to be on this rock. And it, it said, Moses went up on the rock and then God was passing by, but he put his hand to hide Moses from him, like to protect him so that he couldn't mm -hmm. see him. He was actually hiding himself. And it says the Lord started praising himself. He said, the Lord is slow to anger. Like, you know, like God is so awesome that sometimes he just got to praise himself. And so yeah. he's passing. And then when he, when he passed at the last minute, um, it says God took his hand down just so he could get a glimpse of his back. And that was mm -hmm. enough to totally just fill Moses with his glory to the point where when he went with the people, they had to put a veil on his face because yeah. it said his face was shining. So that's what happens when we spend time with God. And then when you went to speak to the group, we all felt it. We were all were going, this is different. Um, and one of the guys even told me, he said, John, he needs to be a professional speaker. He needs to do this. And I knew it wasn't you. I, I you know, I, I love you. And I think you, you you have all these gifts, but I knew what we experienced wasn't you. It was the I time that. that you spent with God. And here's the thing. I, I, I look at the world and, you know, we have conversations about what this world is lacking. And I honestly believe that it's encounters. Mm -hmm. It's encounters with God. You have these people falling away from the faith because they haven't had encounters I was watching this documentary uh, about this one guy. I guess he was a musician, a Christian musician, and he left the faith. And he said that he felt guilty and everything, but he he just kept asking questions. And he said, would, would a real father hide himself from his children and make them chase him? And he said, I couldn't come to terms with that. And so I walked away from the faith. It didn't make sense to me. And I, when I heard that, it was heartbreaking because I realized that there were many people out there, many, you know, Christians, quote unquote Christians, who have come to the faith through teaching. Mm -hmm. But teach, teaching's powerful, but it won't keep you like an encounter with God has. And so when, when your whole faith and your whole relationship with God was formed simply through teaching, mm -hmm. what's going to end up happening is you're going to compare him to human terms. And so or you're, you're going to only think, know this distorted human view. Right. That they told you, but it may not be true. Exactly. So I got saved not because I was taught. I didn't grow up in the church. I had a real encounter with God. And my first prayer was like, oh my gosh, I thought you were a story. Yeah. And, and that encounter, I actually ended up saving my life. That I was in a very dangerous situation. One of these days, again, listeners, I'll share it with you. But um, it was, it wasn't a, a fancy teaching. It wasn't 
um, um, an eloquent person coming coming up to me saying, "You need Jesus." It was I I had an encounter, and so even when things got bad, I couldn't I couldn't say God doesn't exist because I saw I saw that He exists. And right. here's the thing: I wanted God so bad, I realized He was real. I didn't compare him to other humans. I was like, no, like no human act has ever made me feel like that. I want to find out the differences in God. So I didn't compare God to an earthly father. I was like, no, I know he's more than that. And the Bible says in Proverbs that the it's the glory of God to hide and it's the glory of kings to search. 100%. And so I was like, I know that God God hides and I know that I need to search and I need to chase. So if you want to, you could compare it to an earthly father and that and 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 then you could walk away from the faith. But if you had a true encounter with God, you can't walk away from that. No, it changes the way you think. I think I want I want to add something to that just for clarity, because I know what you want meant, but I don't want anybody to misunderstand this. When God says I hide and it's the glory of kings. He ain't hiding hard, I promise you. It says in the word that the, your father dwells in the secret place. You know, your secret place could literally be your closet right next to you. So what he wants is our hearts. And when we separate ourselves, that's the pursuit. It's not like I'm in this relentless, tireless Doing, 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 working, working, working to pursue approval. That's literally not what this talks about. The Lord says, here's approval. You did nothing to earn it. Now just come be with me. So it's not a chase. It's a come. It's not like you're playing tag with God in the yard. He's sitting there. He just wants you to come sit on his lap. So that's the experience for anybody because I also got into I misunderstood the dynamic. It was always for me, it was like a ladder. You know, like I always felt like I'm climbing this ladder. Oh, I did something bad. Crap. I went three rings down. All right, ladder, ladder. And it's exhausting, dude. People get tired. And you're like, I, I'm never good enough. Yeah, you're right. You're not good enough. That's why Jesus came and said, I got you, bro. You're good. You get the representation of the way the father sees me, you did nothing to earn it. Now go right to the father because he loves you so much. He knew we needed a savior, not just to get out of hell, but to be in a position of confidence that we would be in a place where we knew we could go before the father here. This is not a matter of when I die or, I, or my afterlife scenario. Jesus died to give us a position of confidence to be with the Father today while we're here. That we don't feel like we have to be perfect and have done everything right before we can go to God. You know something that the Lord told me? Because anybody that, you know, just is a human, you're going to deal with mistakes and not feel good enough and, and, and fall short. Great. You don't have to pretend. God literally says, we all fall short of the glory of God. He did it for you. Don't stop pretending. He, he just told you. Breathe. He knows. Relax. He said, most people, if they're making a mistake, they try and clean up their life or, or go and be perfect or somehow make up for what they did before they'll come to me again. This is also like a cycle for Christians. He said, if people really understood what I did through Jesus, I would be the first one they came to. So there's just this dynamic of like, 
I just implore people to ignore what you think, the legalism, the barrier that you think exists, and just be with him because I promise he will meet you. And I want to give practical advice, but I want to pause. There's, I, I say all that, but I learned something as well. I didn't know in my life. Nobody told it to me this plainly. That was very important. But John, I don't know if you had any thoughts on that before I got into this next No, please, piece. go ahead. Okay, so my pastor said it a really good way. He said there are ancient gates that exist, that have existed for long, long before we were ever here, of ways to enter the presence of God. Seriously, one, for sure, repentive heart, put your life in the Lord's hands. But as a Christian, I'm guessing this is heavily Christian listen to. To enter the gates of his presence, it's done through thanksgiving and praise. That's how we enter. Thanksgiving is started by just saying, Lord, thank you that I'm alive. Thank you that I have a wonderful home or a dog or a friend. Grab anything. Thank you that I literally am not starving. Grab anything. And I even find myself going back in time before my lifetime. Thank you for your faithfulness in the plan. Thank you for Jesus. Express genuine thanks. Once you come through in thanks and you have established a thankful heart, it doesn't take long, but just do it until you start feeling that thankfulness bubble. Then start praising. Put some good music on if you need to. Maybe you can't come up with the words yourself. Find really good praise music. And don't just sing with your mind disengaged. Think about what it's saying. This is what's happening in heaven. Holy, holy, holy. Worthy is the one who sits on the throne. Blessed is the name of God. You are worthy to receive all power, honor, glory. You are the one that breathes the stars. You are the one that breathed life into my lungs. No one can create like you. No one is creative as you. No one is as wise, intelligent. Lord, you said your plans are far beyond the greatest of human plans. Thank you that it's your plan and not human wisdom that is in effect in this world. Start reaching for praise. You're just magnifying his name. You're worshiping him for how great and powerful he is. That is what draws him. He's already drawing to you, but there's something he's calling to you. There's something about thankfulness and praise that opens a gate that allows us to feel his actual presence. The reason I say that is I never realized that's actually how you do it. They literally told me that's how you do it. This is literally, it's biblical. It's in the Bible. And you enter that place. And I can promise you for two years, it has worked for me almost every single day. So I'm speaking from experience, but I never experienced that in my entire previous life. I love the Lord. I read my Bible. I tried to honor him, but I didn't know until I I got that key, that, that biblical way, the pathway. I, that I learned the path. This is how we do it. And sometimes it takes me, there were times I was telling John, there was a season where I would walk into the room and within a second, his presence was there. It was literally like me just showing up because what happens is your heart. Um, praise is a posture of a heart. So what you're trying to do is get your brain and your words to engage your heart. And so your heart will begin to actually change its posture and its stance to genuinely 
from the bottom of your heart. And if it's not genuine, that's okay. Say, Holy Spirit, Father God, I want to genuinely worship you. Teach me. Help me to see the things I can genuinely worship and admire you for. And your heart will engage. Something happens. It's a, it's just awesome. Because it's like, you'll just be doing your things. And then boom, it's there. It's like, you went through. It's like, whoop. And you're like, and you're here. You're like, and then it's amazing. And something just happens there that is indescribable. And it's it doesn't, it's not always everything right at one moment. The Lord is a faithful, consistent steward, a faithful, consistent author. So there are things that I am learning years later that he has taken me through. So I just wanted to give that practical knowledge. And I was, uh, and one more just insight to my personal in case anybody goes through this. Yes, there were times I went right in and it was there. And there were times I was worshiping, praising, super distracted for hours. So if you're in there and you're like five minutes in, you're like, I don't know, this isn't working. Push through. I promise. Just keep pushing through. One other tip, I know I'm giving tips, but this is just from my own experience. I love it. If you if you are disengaged and you're just having a hard time really engaging your heart, maybe you have a busy day ahead, things are happening in life. It's just the way it goes. Our brains can sometimes have a really hard time settling down. Turn music off, except for maybe like a piano, something peaceful, and then you engage based on your own words. Don't just repeat whatever the song is saying. That can be very helpful in wonderful times. But I feel that it really forces you. It sounds bad, but it does. It forces you to really engage your heart and your mind. And it and in times where I've really struggled to get connected and posture my heart to get the get into his presence, that has helped. So anyways, that's my insight. That's my experience. And I hope it helps somebody. You know, I didn't know you were going to go into uh, practical tips for encounters with God. Yeah. I, I am so blessed that you did that. And to be honest, um, I can't see going any further past this subject. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I do want to speak to the listeners, you know, our heart, you know, especially my heart is for you guys to have encounters with God. You know, this podcast is kind of like my love letter to to sons and daughters of God who have an entrepreneurial calling. But man, my heart is that you guys have an encounter with God because it's for you. It's your inheritance. Yep. You know, um, Josh and I are not perfect by any means. We have our faults, Preach but it. we know we're loved and we know when we make mistakes, we know who to run to. Uh, we know where to get clean. And if you haven't had an encounter with God, we want to stand in witness to let you know it's for you too. Um, one of my favorite scriptures is Hosea 6.3. It says, so let us know, let us press on to know God because his going forth is as sure as the dawn. That means that as sure as you know that the sun is going to rise tomorrow, you should have an expectation that if you press on to know God, he will show up. And I don't know if Josh has had this. I I have made it ever since I got saved. I've had it. My goal has to have as many encounters with God as possible. And I could tell you that there were times where God was silent and I had to chase harder than other times, but I had to be consistent. Uh, there was honestly like, uh, I think 
months and even a year where I felt like God was being silent. And, but I didn't stop. I didn't stop chasing him. I didn't forget this, this scripture. So let us know, let us press on to know him because he's, he's coming forth as as sure as the dawn. And I kept reminding myself, okay, he promised he's going to show up. I should have the same expectation as I know the sun's going to rise. And he never let me down. Eventually he showed up. And yep. so we just want to encourage you guys it, more than entrepreneurship, more than business. Mm -hmm. God loves you. God is real. God wants to give you an encounter. He wants a dynamic relationship outside of religion. I know a bunch of you are tired of religion. A, a bunch of you are, are, some of you are even seeking truth again. Uh, you've been away uh, from, from the faith, but we're here as witnesses telling you that yes, God is calling you. Yes, God is real. And yes, he wants to give you an encounter, but you do have to chase him because God, that will separate the people who are superficial about their faith and people who really want Jesus. He already gave his life. He already proved to us that he wants us. He wants us to prove that we want him. Exactly. Any last, any last words, dude? I'll leave it up to you. The floor is yours. I know this is a business podcast, but the reason I went into that and I prefaced it with this is probably the most important thing I was going to talk about is because it is, and anybody that's interested in business, I would just say absolutely establish this foundation with the Lord personally, intimately, because he's going to show you things and help you do incredible things in your life. He's got amazing plans. He's got bigger dreams for you than you dream for yourself. So yeah, as the final thought is yes, all the business and there's even, I'm sure more to the story that I think I touched on last time, but I didn't even talk about, but this is so important to everyday life and to business people that I just absolutely want to tell you from one business person to another, if it came down to getting onto another sales call or building another product, I promise you it pales in comparison to you getting this right first. So anyways, that's kind of the final note, I would say just as advice. Great closing words. It's been real people until next episode. Hey, I hope you liked the show. If you got something from it and want to bless me back, leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and also subscribe to my channel. If you want to connect with me on social media, my Instagram is at kingdom.moves. I pray that God gives you hope and that you step into everything he's got planned for you. Peace. Oh,